Welcome to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. When people are injured due to negligence or while on the job, they need all the help they can get. Doctors Armin Feldman and Mike Bummer help ensure they get it. Join them as they discuss the newest medical subspecialty of medical legal consulting. Learn how attorneys can gain a competitive advantage in PI, workers' comp, and medical malpractice cases. Armin and Mike can help you better understand the medical issues in your cases, leading to larger settlement amounts and the best possible medical care for clients. They can help save you time and increase case value, all without breaking the bank. Let's get started. Welcome to this episode of Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. I'm Dr. Armin Feldman, and as always, I'm here with my friend, colleague, and business associate in Physicians Legal Consultants, Dr. Mike Bummer. Hey, greetings, Armin, and to everyone listening. It's great to be here, and uh, I hope everyone's having an, an excellent summer. You did some traveling recently, right? You had a pretty cool experience. Yes. Um, some friends of ours who live in Madison and know uh, I'm a big Walk the Moon fan. They're my favorite band, as you know. They were playing at Summerfest in Milwaukee. So we flew out, stayed with our friends, drove uh, the uh, about an hour and a half uh, for the concert, uh, for Walk the Moon concert in Milwaukee at Summerfest. We saw them in this tiny little venue, only held about a hundred people, got to meet the band. Uh, it, it took a picture with them. It was kind of thrilling. And then also saw them for their regular, uh, incredible show at 930 that night. Just, just had a blast. <laughs> the pictures looked amazing. And the Walk the Moon, they sing the Shut Up and Dance song, right? Yes, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They're uh, considered alt-pop, uh, alt-rock, uh, alternative rock. And uh, I think they're just great. The energy yeah. in those uh, clips you sent me were were uh, really, it just looked like a lot of fun. What a yeah. good show. The crowd was rocking. And speaking of that, you had your own uh, musical experience, right? Your daughter recently went to her first concert. Yeah, I sent you that photo. It's funny, yeah. the same weekend, we yeah. were visiting my wife's family, and I promised her that if she tried very hard in school this year, that I would take her to her first real concert. Mm -hmm. And we were looking for options, and, you know, there's the Taylor Swift, Ed Shireen, and... Uh, the, uh, you know, the cost on those and also the timing of them can be tricky, but we found Kids Bop. Have you, have, do you have any experience with this Kids Bop band? Or no, tell me about it. <laughs> so <laughs> they cover these uh, pop top 40 songs, but they, they tweak some of the words so that like if Imagine Dragons says something kind of risque about, you know, a cigarette or, or uh, kissing or making love, they, they yeah. change, they just tweak it and make it kid friendly. So we have kids bop radio on uh, my daughter's nine and we, we do that around the pool or, you know, if we're at a picnic and everyone knows the songs and they do a great job with it. But it's it's uh, lyrics are kid friendly and it's it, it's a lot of fun and they tour so we took her to see them in concert. Great, she have a good time. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's great. great, really cool. And we might as well just jump right into today's topic. I'm gonna throw you back some credit here. This was your idea today, and mm -hmm. we are talking about something that is 
a bit different. We haven't discussed this type of work that we do for our attorneys. And the words that you use that you've kind of coined for this is medical liaison work. Right. Why don't you jump right in and tell us what that means? And, and then we'll share a couple instances of how we are doing this for our attorneys. Sure, sure. So yeah, we do a liaison at our attorney client's behest. And um, I think I'll just try to explain it. And in fact, we, we've act, uh, act, acted as a liaison between attorneys and treating doctors, you and I both, in, in so many cases. And of course, we know it's not always easy for the attorney to readily speak with a treating doctor. And um, Mike, I, you know, I should also say that we've been asked to be a liaison occasionally, even between attorneys and families, and, and much more often between our attorney clients and professionals and or service or governmental agencies. Yeah, that's Armin, the, the liaison to treating doctors, and I'm not sure if actually, I don't know if this is what the first example you're going to share, but mm -hmm. it's... We fill that kind of gap because we are not necessarily making suggestions or we're not, we're not viewed as having an ulterior kind of motive per se that maybe a treating doctor would get a call from an attorney and maybe wonder, well, what's the, what's the motive of this question? Are they trying to put words in my mouth? And it's, I feel like a little bit easier whenever we've had that doc to doc common ground. We're, we're speaking the same language. There's a bit of an understanding, but we can represent our attorneys and their clients' best interest in, in a slightly different way. Yeah, exactly, Mike. That's, that's exactly correct. In fact, it's, I think it's been both of our experiences that we've found these doctors to be extremely cooperative and cordial when we call on behalf of an attorney. So as soon as the doctor knows that we're not there, like you said, to, to criticize or look over their shoulder, typically they're happy to speak with us. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm sure you have the same, but I've got this kind of two-minute standard explanation, my standard spiel on uh, that will give to the treating doc on uh, why we're calling on behalf of an attorney. You know, it may be possible in some cases to do this liaison work by phone, but most often it's necessary for us to schedule, actually schedule an appointment uh, at the physician's office or, or at the very least by Zoom. So uh, I thought I would start off with an example. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, so this example is kind of a typical situation and it really exemplifies the most common reason uh, that we'll meet with treating doctors. And that's to make sure that the treating doc is on board with the attorney's theory of traumatic causation. Um, in fact, uh, the attorney by this point has, uh, as you know, has, has often already asked us to write a report that includes our medical opinions regarding causation of various uh, injuries. So in this example, the client was rear-ended in an auto crash. And after the accident, the client had, this is important, but had the immediate onset 
of low back pain and, and also had some other symptoms. So eventually uh, an MRI uh, of the lumbar spine was ordered after the crash. And it showed that the client had a disc protrusion at L45, which of course, by definition is a disc herniation. Mm -hmm. So when the attorney reviewed the past medical records, she noticed that the client had an episode of back pain sometime in the past. So who knows, perhaps the, the client uh, was involved well, we would have found this out eventually, but involved in an earlier accident or, or maybe had a, a, an earlier work-related injury or, or maybe just the client had the spontaneous onset of low back pain at some time in the past. And uh, in fact, Mike, I think we t may have talked about this in, in a previous episode, but as, as many of our listeners may know, the medical li literature is pretty clear on this. The medical literature reports that about half of all adults in the United States will have at least one bout of severe back pain sometime in their life for which they'll seek out medical attention. And by seeking out this medical attention, this can obviously muddy the waters, right, of uh, the current case by suggesting a possible pre-existing condition. So often, even though the back pain can be severe with time and conservative treatment, that bout of back pain will completely remit, and it never becomes a chronic problem for the person. So without getting into the, the details of the case, without getting into the weeds, uh, suffice it to say that it was the opinion of the attorney, and in this case, it was my medical opinion, that the rear-end accident was the immediate and proximate cause of the client's current low back pain that started immediately after the accident. It wasn't due to a pre-existing condition, condition, which, of course, by the way, was opposing uh, counsel's opinion. Sure. So the attorney wanted me to meet with the client's primary care doctor to make sure that that doctor was in agreement with my attorney client's medical theory for the case that the auto accident was the cause of the new disc protrusion, the client's low back pain, and her other symptoms. And that way, the attorney could ask the treating doctor for a report as well. In fact, we've met with physicians for this specific purpose, that is causation, so many, you know, many, 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 many times. I have, uh, I have an example I'd be happy to share. Yeah, go ahead. So there was a case where I was asked to contact an expert that was a known expert to the attorney, and the... Uh, expert's general surgeon who repairs hernia and does some bariatric uh, weight loss surgery. And the question in this case that the attorney was exploring, mm -hmm. his theory was that the, the patient, the client, the attorney's client, mm -hmm. was not appropriately counseled on the alternatives and risks mm -hmm. of the hernia repair surgery that 
uh, that was in question and had occurred and ultimately led to very serious complications. Right. And so the attorney asked me to contact this general surgeon who's considering retaining as an expert and to have a high-level discussion about the medical facts of the case, the appropriateness, the diagnostic workup, and ultimately the counseling and the process of informed consent Mm -hmm. and a a wide nature of these facts that were all uh, part of the theory of this attorney wanting to pursue the case or not. Mm -hmm. And it was quite easy for me to jump in to learn about the case and understand these as a fellow surgeon, as someone who's done pre-op workups, who could easily, uh, even though I haven't done bariatric surgery, sure. the literature is quite conclusive over the last 10 to 20 years, who is a candidate, who is not, what these risks are. And the ultimately, the client was not offered a certain procedure that would have been more advantageous due to her morbid obesity. Mm. What wasn't that uh, a big issue just in in the situation overall about not offering this other procedure? That's that's exactly it. that that was critical and what mm. was what allowed me to step in and play, you know, a, a higher level role than the attorney calling this expert himself is that I was able to like very quickly get Mm -hmm. up to speed on the medical facts that his client um, was, you know, considering at the time of the the hernia repair. And whenever I was able to talk to this expert, we jumped right in to the, the merit of, of a informed consent discussion, whether Mm -hmm. it was appropriate, whether the right surgery was done, and then ultimately if the complications were in fact reasonable or not. And we covered these topics in under 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was really good conversation. I was able to really vet and pull out a lot of the key elements of what the, what the factual opinions of this expert and quite frankly, the surgical community at large would be and Mm -hmm. relay that back to my attorney and then allow a uh, kind of things to progress forward from there. And this, Armin, I should, we should note like this part of the process was done rather quickly, meaning, you know, in under a week and it was done very affordably Mm -hmm. and it really set the stage where we could, you know, create a, a report of sorts of these opinions and what a summary of these facts were and what to expect as the case progresses and what this expert was going to, in fact, uh, opine to. And that was, uh, I mean, this that, that was just one recent case involving a hernia repair and, you know, informed consent and bariatric surgery. But this is something that I do on a very, very regular basis. In fact, I, I, had a discussion this morning on something along that. Did you? Lines. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's all about that kind of making that doc, doctor to doctor, doctor to doc rapport, right? It sounds like when you were talking uh, to that physician that uh, I could just hear in that, that you had developed a rapport with that uh, physician so that you could in comfortably and he could comfortably talk about this and we could get a good, a, a good sense of the case. It's exactly right. And that marries very nicely with the fact that we also find, refer, and vet medical experts from 
ground from, you know, from the, from the start. So that whole doc to doc conversation is something that I feel like adds a serious level of value to our attorneys whenever they ask us to help on that. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And uh, it, it's such a um, natural thing for us to do. And it's not that our attorney clients aren't well-versed in the medicine, but obviously they didn't go to medical school. No. And you know, like my conversation this morning, we spent a good four or five minutes going back and forth on lab values mm timing of the vital signs, some zebra diagnoses to consider, and mm -hmm. ultimately where potential pitfalls were of the diagnostic workup. It was related to an emergency visit and we were, we were jamming. I mean, much like, you know, we talked about <laughs> the concert and, you know, the, right. like we were, we were flowing. We had, uh, well, what was this? Okay, well, that. Oh, I see what you were doing there. Well, what was this result? What was the what was the culture? What were their blood cultures? Oh, yeah. Well, and then all of that's happening in five, ten, fifteen minutes, and we're getting right, right to the root. And then the uh, the next call is, hey, set up a meeting with the attorney. Here's what you can expect someone to say. Here's what they can't say. Here's our new thoughts. Let's move forward. It it is so rewarding, and. Uh, it frankly is one of the most enjoyable parts of my day because we get to really at a high level uh, interact with these experts who are some of the best, most qualified docs in their fields. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have another case you e wanted to talk about? Yeah, I thought I would do just one quickly. I'll do one more. Uh, this was, uh, again, kind of a, uh, not catastrophic, but kind of a sad situation. So a husband and wife were uh, traveling in their car. Uh, the wife was the passenger. They were both properly restrained and they were traveling at about 30 miles an hour. A pickup truck uh, failed to stop at a stop sign. And what happened is the client's car uh, smashed head on and T-boned this pickup truck. Uh, and the uh, client, the, the woman that the uh, attorney is representing, reported very uh, in great detail how she had a whiplash event. You know, her head went back and forth. And subsequent to that, she had a, a number of symptoms. She had some other um, injuries as well, some soft tissue injuries. But the main issue was this whiplash event. And so what happened is since the crash, the, uh, the client was having uh, what we would call syn syncopal episodes, in other words, feigning spells. And she had one a day for the first three days of, after the accident. And she continued to have these feigning spells. So she got a CT scan of the head and that was normal. And later she uh, also uh, had an EEG done. Uh, and they were looking, of course, the EEG, they were looking to see whether she had developed a seizure disorder. Uh, the EEG was normal as well. Mm -hmm. So this led her off on a, a trail of neurologists. So she saw a, a neurologist. Uh, this was maybe about a month after the accident. By by this time, she was having several of these uh, feigning spells. She at least one a day, and sometimes more than one a day. So the first neurologist said, uh, "I'm quoting: likely post concussion 
with uh, unusual symptoms. And so he was kind of um, un uh, uncertain about uh, what the actual problem was. So they went to a second neurologist and uh, she now was, uh, th these fainting spells were even increasing uh, to be more often. And uh, for some reason, they just didn't hit it. The husband and the client just didn't hit it off with this neurologist. And he really didn't see her long enough to make a definitive diagnosis. So then we get to the third neurologist and uh, this was probably a month after the one, the neurologist that they didn't like that much. And um, the uh, third uh, neurologist finally made a diagnosis of, uh, and he said that she had frequent and recurrent syncopal episodes after a mild traumatic brain injury uh, because of the accident. But the uh, attorney was just kind of, confused by the neurology medical records. And he really wanted some direction on which way to turn. So he asked me to meet with both the uh, first and third neurologist, uh, and, and which I did. And the first neurologist, he told me he was, quote, he was baffled by the case. And he didn't really feel that he had uh, as I said, the, the time to make a definitive uh, diagnosis. But uh, when I then I met with the third neurologist, and um, what he said was that he thought the diagnosis was an atypical seizure disorder, secondary hmm. to post-concussion syndrome, uh, which uh, was the result of the whiplash event in the accident and it was sustained since the time of uh, impact. And actually what he said, uh, and uh, actually I wrote down in my notes, was he could attest to the fact uh, that this was the uh, proper diagnosis. So I then went back and met with my attorney and I said, look, I think uh, the third neurologist is really going to be the one who could be your best uh, treating mm. doc and possible uh, if you need to go with a medical expert, either for the purpose of writing a report to negotiate a settlement or if it does wind up going to trial, that this would be really the right person to start working with uh, with regard to um, doing best by this client uh, with uh, concerning the maximizing the damages in, in the case. And um, so that, that was the value of my, of my meeting with them. And, but, you know, Mike, it reminded me of something else. Um, this case is from a couple of years back. And when I uh, was taking a look at this, I actually called you. Uh, and uh, I uh, said, this reminds me of a case that you actually did in the uh, uh, a different episode. Yes. About uh, psychogenic non-epileptic seizures. I was thinking the same thing. That was a wild case. I can't remember if we discussed that on this podcast or as part of a, a LinkedIn, you know, uh, car crash Wednesday. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly right. And 
you know, your angle of, of serving this attorney wasn't necessarily uh, proving up the theory of this uh, non-epileptic seizure activity from head trauma, but you served, it sounds like, by narrowing the focus, playing liaison to the right expert and helping bridge that gap, whereas whenever I had that report from a car crash, uh, it was a head injury that I found and learned all about this new psychogenic non-epileptic seizures, which are uh, over, you know, about a third to half of the time pre, uh, uh, pre, um, what's the, what's the right word? They are pre preempted or, or caused by a precipitated, by. precipitated by a, a head injury. Right. And that's and they these seizures are so atypical, which sounds like exactly what you were working with. Right. That the the neurology doctors were kind of confused, and the opposing counsel was blaming all of this on previous um, seizure-like activity and ticks. Whereas this everything had changed after the head injury. And clearly there was this huge distinction, which is why my attorney was so passionate to represent this client whenever I had that case. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. So these are just a few examples of how we can uh, help the attorney by acting as a liaison between a treating doctor or uh, a social service agency Uh, or a governmental agency, if that's involved, or even on a rare occasion with the the client's family. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I think it's extremely helpful. It's rewarding all the way around. Yeah. Anything else on that? No, that's it. Did did your dog have anything else that he or she wanted to <laughs> he or she wanted to add? It was I think there was definitely some some interest comment, maybe something you said really struck a nerve. <laughs> well, as you know, we have this puppy. She she is a Tibetan terrier and uh, I I think maybe she's a little too inbred. She, she was rolling <laughs> on the floor. I've never seen her do this before. Not only was she rolling on the floor and talking, but she was doing it right in front of me. Now she's Aww. run off in a different direction. So, Well, I'm a dog guy. You're never going to hear me complain about a dog barking. <laughs> it is just part of uh, a part of life well lived. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Well, uh, we want to, Mike and I want to thank you uh, for listening. We want to thank all of our uh, lawyer li- loyal listeners. Uh, if you know someone who would uh, maybe enjoy the podcast as well, please let them know. If you are an attorney and you have a case, or if you're just a listener and you have a comment, please send us an email at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. And we will look forward to having you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. For more information about the show and to listen to all the podcast episodes, go to physicianshelpingattorneys.com. You can also email Armin and Mike at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Thank you.